The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. I'd like to start by saying thank you to my most recent Patreon supporter, Catherine. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're loving listening every week. In this episode, I speak to Bethany about the births of her two boys. Her first pregnancy was low risk and she opted to be cared for at her local birth center. She went on to have a straightforward birth with some complications afterwards, but in general describes her birth and postpartum as easier than she expected, which is probably the first time I've ever heard those words uttered. Bethany had a 3.5 year gap between her two children and was actually diagnosed with cancer during that time. She shares a little bit about her recovery and what it was like navigating maternity care options with a history of cancer. In the end, she chose to have a home birth and went on to have another um, beautiful, straightforward vaginal delivery. Hi, Bethany. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Um, Would you like to start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and your family and what you've been up to this year? Uh, Yes. So I have two boys, a four-and-a-half-year-old and a a six-month-old, and um, I'm a stay-at-home mum. And, yeah, it's been you know, pretty quiet this year. It's all been a bit crazy, so we haven't really done much. Yeah, it's been an unusual year for everybody um, and pretty hard being at home with two kids in lockdown. Have you, are you in Melbourne? Or? Uh, we're not, luckily. We've been in New South Wales and um, we have, um, like, family members have farms, so we've been very lucky to be able to, um, even if we couldn't go to public spaces, we could go to farms and, spend some time outside oh that's great yeah yeah getting outside with with, um two little ones is pretty important (laughs) yes definitely yeah so we might go back to your first birth um yeah and birth center birth um would you like to share about how that pregnancy came about whether it was a planned conception um it was a planned conception um i don't think we expected it to happen quite so quickly (laughs) but yeah, it did. Um, so we kind of thought we, um, my husband and I weren't married at the time and we thought that we might start trying and um, maybe I would be like, you know, early pregnant when we got married. But we ended up falling pregnant very easily and we had to move our wedding date because it was basically my due date for Theodore, which was fun. 
<laughs> so did you get married um, before um, he was born? After. So we got married when he was nine weeks old, which looking back seems a little bit wild, but we thought it was a good idea at the time. Oh, my gosh, that must have been so stressful. <laughs> Someone else was organising it for you. Um, it was because I really wanted to, like I wanted to focus on, you know, the pregnancy and um, I just didn't have the like the mind space to focus on um, organising a wedding as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So going back to the start of that pregnancy, how were you, how were you kind of feeling when you found out and in those early weeks? Um, we were really excited. We had, um, yeah, we were just, we had, we were ready to have a baby and we were very excited to find out that we were pregnant. And did you have any morning sickness or kind of early symptoms at all? Um, I, like nothing really awful. I was, I was nauseous through the entire pregnancy, but I didn't have, it wasn't like incapacitating morning sickness. It was just, I just felt off the whole time. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And you planned a birth centre birth that time around. How did you find a care provider and what sort of things were you considering when you made that choice? Um, so we are lucky that there's a birth centre quite close to us, I guess. Um, I was born in a birth centre. My mum had both of her children in a birth centre and I just, I don't particularly feel that pregnancy or giving birth is a medical condition so I I didn't want to go to a hospital and and feel like it was medicalized I guess I just I don't don't feel that pregnancy is something to be scared of and I really resonated with the um the more you know things like they don't offer um like you know an epidural or things like that I just I didn't want to I just didn't feel like they were necessary for us, mm. I guess. Yeah, sure, yeah. And how did you find the care through them as your pregnancy progressed? Um, it was really lovely. We really, really um, connected with our midwife um, and they came, the, the, she came to our house for our um, care appointments um, and it was... I didn't have anything to compare it to. So at the time I was really happy with it. Um, but just little things like I had said that I didn't want to have like the glucose test and they said, oh, yeah, that's okay, that's okay. And then later on it turned out that that was a condition of me being in the program. I had to have the test. Um, and um, I had when I was a child I had a heart condition which – I have grown out of, but they wanted me to go and have a, you know, testing for things like that. Um, even though I could provide the documents to say that, you know, it had been signed off and it was no longer an issue, they wanted me to go and test for all of those things again. Um, so just I felt like they kind of said one thing and then when it came down to the wire, something else happened. And did you, um, I'm not sure whether, I know hospitals offer kind of birth education. Did the birth centre offer their own program or did you do a, a course at the hospital or something like that? Um, they didn't offer a course and we actually, we didn't do any courses. Um, I read a lot of books um, and I think the one that resonated most with me, I read it again when I was pregnant the second time, was um, New Active Birth. And... Um, 
I found it really interesting that that was, so my midwife recommended that to me and it was also the one that my mother's midwife recommended to her when she was pregnant with me. And I thought, you know, if it's still around, if it's still recommended, it must be really good. And it was, it was really, really helpful. Well, I haven't read that one. I'll have to pop that on the reading list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'll have a look at that one and put some links in the show notes if anyone's interested. Sounds like it stood the test of time. Yeah. Mm. And how were you feeling as you approached your due date um, that first with that first pregnancy? Were you feeling um, pretty prepared or? Um, yes, I was. Um, I kind of like I just I intuitively knew some things. I, I knew that I was going to be overdue um, and I I just I kind of I had this vision in my head of how it would happen and it kind of all happened that way um, so yeah that was that was nice <laughs> mm. and how did labor begin then um, so I was uh, 41 and five and I was um, so at 42 weeks, I would have been moved out of the birth center and into the hospital. And, um, I was starting to get, you know, worried about that sort of prospect and that I didn't want to have an induction. Um, so I had a stretch and sweep at that point in time. And, um, it sounds really ridiculous to say, but I, I really don't think that that actually pushed me into labor but that night my waters broke and um, contractions started not long after that Mm. and how were those kind of early hours what what were the contractions like when they first began um they were pretty regular um from the get-go and and quite quick I um I had a bath it was like 10 o'clock at night and I had a bath and tried to relax and um when I got out, I downloaded a timing app onto my phone and after about four contractions, it kind of flashed at me and it said, you know, go to the hospital. And I thought, no way, this is just like, this is still really easy. Um, that was kind of a, a refrain throughout that whole, that whole labour experience was, you know, it's not that I never got to the wild, um, unbearable, out-of-control point that until that point had been depicted to me so many times. Mm, yeah so um yeah so I mean it was saying to head to the hospital and you just stayed at home for a little while what was that like when you're staying at home and and what at what point did you make the decision to move to hospital oh do you know I didn't actually make the decision I had to be bullied into the car by my husband and my mum because I was so convinced that we had longer to go more to go um so yeah when um I called my mum probably about midnight I think and I asked her to come round and um I think it was 2 a.m or a bit later before we um hopped in the car to drive to the birth center um and I was definitely by the time we got to the birth center I kind of I remember saying oh I feel like I need to push um so they yeah hopped me in the bath put me in the bath but it was like it was a really long process I think um just I'd obviously never done it before and I don't think I was pushing right for a long time. So it was really tiring and just a long process. Mm. Yeah. And how you sort of mentioned um, that you were a bit surprised that it was 
for want of a better word, easier than you were yeah. during the early labour? Was that the same um, kind of sensation that you had during the pushing stage as well? Um, yeah, it felt like it felt good to push. Um, it did feel good to push, but I, I, I don't believe that I was ready to be pushing. I think I was, I don't know, I don't know. It's tricky to explain, confusing the sensations. Um, and did, did I, you do any um, checks when you arrived? Like a... No, so I had declined checks um, and it wasn't until quite, a bit later that my midwife said she suspected I had a um, cervical lip and she said that she wanted to check me to make sure that to see if that was the case and I said that that was okay and um, she said yes you do so on the next contraction she said she was just going to help baby pass that Um, and yeah after that he was born quite quickly after that. Was he um, you mentioned that you got into the bath was he born into the water? He was born into the water. Mm, beautiful. And what were those first few minutes like? Did you catch him or the midwife or your partner? Uh, my husband caught him um, and um, it was, um, I think, maybe I went into a little bit of shock. I think um, he, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't not breathing but they were not happy with his responsiveness so they um, cut the cord very quickly and took him away for oxygen and I was a bit I didn't feel like it was explained to me but I also feel like they were probably you know were trying to make sure that he was okay and so I understand that they didn't take the time to sit me down and explain it but I just just felt a little bit kind of rushed and um, yeah, after after he was returned to you, was there any sort of further issues with with his breathing, or he just needed a little bit of help to get started? No, he he just needed a little bit of help to get started. Um, so he was fine after that. Um, I had a, um, a hematoma in my vaginal wall, so I was transferred to the hospital after that. And um, it was a bit, you know, we really missed out on that. Oh, I fainted in the bathroom. And um, I just, we really missed out on that very first kind of golden hour important time, I think. Mm, yeah. So did you have to go into surgery or something to have that um, in the hospital? Or kind of the- no, I didn't. They, um, they took me to the um, labour ward, I guess, in the hospital and, um, uh, you know, laid me down and just scooped out clots manually which was horrible the worst experience they gave me gas for that I'd done the whole labor with no pain relief and they gave me gas for that and turned it right up and it was that was awful oh that's so hard especially after you've just just (laughs) gotten through your whole labor and 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 then you have to go through that yeah it was really I mean we hadn't we hadn't prepared for that at all we had no like I didn't have, I had to stay in hospital for three days having IV, antibi- IV antibiotics and, um, you know, like I hadn't packed a hairbrush or I hadn't packed like we'd expected to go home a couple of hours after the baby was born. So we were very unprepared. Mm, yeah. And what were the kind of early days once you were um, 
reunited with the baby and and headed home what were kind of those early days like and how was your recovery from birth um I I mean it was it was good he was I vividly remember saying to my midwife came on probably day six and I said I thought it was going to be hard like it's not hard Mm. um he slept you know well and he had a tongue tie, so breastfeeding was very difficult and quite painful. Um, I think he lost about 11 or 12%. But once we had the tongue tie revised, you know, he thrived from that point. And it just, yeah, it was it was really lovely to, you know, all spend time getting to know each other and settling in. Mm. How was the rest of your breastfeeding journey that time around? Um, we breastfed for uh, I think he was 26 months when when we weaned and um, we weaned because I was diagnosed with cancer and I had to begin chemotherapy so that was really hard to neither of us were ready to wean at all but it had to happen yeah wow that must have been absolutely huge and is there is there about four three and a half years there's four years between the two. Yeah, wow. Would you like to speak at all to kind of a little bit about what that journey in between was like and and how it led to um, conceiving your next pregnancy eventually? Yeah, um, it was um, it was hard. <laughs> we have always wanted or um, a big family, I guess. We've always said that we wanted three or four children and. Um, it was all um, simultaneously really slow. I think there was about three months between my diagnosis and beginning treatment, but also really fast. Um, and we didn't have um, uh, fertility preservation. Um, and they said that they were pretty sure that I would be able to fall pregnant again afterwards, but they couldn't guarantee it. And that was a really big thing to um, overcome, especially when my son turned three, we'd always said, you know, well, when he's three, we might start trying for another baby. And, you know, he turned three and I'd finished treatment by that time, but they said that I had to wait uh, 12 months from my last cycle before I could start trying to fall pregnant again. And it was, it was really, really hard. Mm, wow. Yeah. Can I ask what the cancer was? It was non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got the all clear then and and waited the 12 months and then was it easy to conceive the next time around? Um, So we didn't actually wait 12 months. We waited nine months and, um, yeah, it was, was, again, it was very apparently we're very fertile people. It was quite easy to fall pregnant, which was amazing. We were, you know, we said to each other, like, we we did that and we, we didn't even have to you know, really try, it just kind of happened. Mm, that's amazing. And how were you feeling um, when you found out about that pregnancy? Um, I was I was absolutely over the moon and I was a bit nervous, I think, to tell my husband. He was, um, um, he wanted to wait the 12 months, I think, um, so originally the, the hematologist had said six months and then as we went on she said nine months, so sorry, 12 months. So I was 
you know, I was content with where we were and, and um, yeah, I was just a bit nervous to kind of start telling other people because, I mean, it was still, it was a big thing to go through and I know that my body was not, you know, at full capacity yet. Yeah, and is that what the kind of concern was and the need for to wait? Was it was it about kind of the health of your body and your recovery, or was there any kind of? Um, um, I think it was. I think it was just like super caution sort of thing. Um, it changed every time we spoke to them. Sometimes they would say you need to, you know, let all the the residual drugs wash out of your body, and sometimes they would say you just need to make sure that you're strong enough. So, you know, all of those little things together kind of made me think that they were you know, erring on the side of extreme caution and that perhaps falling pregnant a little bit earlier wouldn't be the most horrific thing. Mm, Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, and this time around you planned a home birth. Um, What prompted that decision to do things differently this time around? Um, So we had... We had discussed home birth uh, with my first pregnancy, but being a first time, I think kind of naively really we we thought that we wanted to be, you know, in a setting that was a little bit more mm, safety, I guess, sort of thing, um, which is ironic because actually I didn't appreciate the things or, I, I you know, I understand why they took cut the cord and took the baby away but those things jar with me um so we'd said um after our last birth that we would have a home birth this time um and then it was like we really had to work for it actually they um I was referred to the um maternal fetal medical unit by my hematologist just to check that everything was going okay with the baby and um you know, I, I asked them, like, what are you looking for? What what exactly are we worried will happen? And they kind of all said, oh, well, we'll know when we see it. Um, and they wanted to do things like, um, you know, growth scans and blood tests and all sorts of things. Um, and then when all of those were, um, you know, that was all okay and the, there was nothing wrong with the baby, then they started saying, you know, oh, well, well, we have to check, you know, your lung capacity and we have to check your heart and we have to check. They were concerned that I might have a heart attack during labour because of um, one of the drugs that I took was um, uh, like cardiotoxic and a couple of other things, you know. So it was just I, I risked out of we first off went back to the birth centre and asked if I could you know, be part of that program for a home birth. And they said, no, you're high risk now. So I couldn't even birth at our local hospital because they didn't have high risk facilities. So I would have had to go to the um, the larger hospital where I was having all this testing done. And I just didn't want to. I didn't feel like fighting every step of the way. Um, I knew, like I had this deep knowledge that there was nothing wrong and everything was perfect. And i didn't want to justify myself every single step of the way. And I also was very convinced that I would go overdue again and I didn't want to have to face down induction when the time came. Mm, absolutely. And it's just, I mean, I guess if you're getting all those tests back and, and everything is clear and, and you're feeling really well and intuitively feeling that everything's fine, you don't need to have other 
kind of external fears just being reinforced at every single appointment. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So how did you go about finding a private midwife and did you have any issues finding someone who would care for you with that high-risk diagnosis? Um, So there is only one practising private midwife in our area and um, we went to have a meeting with her when I was about, I think I was 13 weeks or so and um, she's someone that I've met before. I'm involved a little bit with the positive birth movement in our area and I'd met her through there. Um, So we went to have a meeting with her and just to get an independent opinion, you know, am I actually high risk or is it just because I'm, you know, ticking a history of cancer box and there's actually nothing wrong and she was very much of the opinion that, um, that was the case. She said that um, my cancer was because it was non-hormonal. Um, there was no risk that you know pregnancy or related factors would you know cause it to grow again or or any reason. You know my my history of cancer does not have a bearing on my ability to grow a baby and push a baby out. Mm. So she was um, she was quite happy. But at that point, we didn't know um, the cost was a very big factor. I'd had um, over a year off work and we had completely wiped out all of our savings and we just, we didn't know how we would, um, you know, afford to have a private midwife. So, you know, we talked about all sorts of options. We talked about going, you know, going to the, the public hospital and hiring a doula and we talked about, going to the private hospital and just having my husband and my mum there again. Um, Or, yeah, we kept on the option that I kept on coming back to was hiring a private midwife. That was was really what I wanted to do and that was where I was comfortable. Um, And she was amazing. We were very honest with her and said that, you know, this is absolutely what we wanted to do, but we were concerned about the cost and she ended up, Uh, taking off her travel fee for us Um, and she gave us a weekly payment plan and gave us um, an extended time to pay her which was just incredible absolutely incredible so we hired her when I was I think I was about 18 weeks pregnant we hired her and I was just I was so happy like it felt like that was the final piece that needed to slot in and everything was going to be okay oh that's so amazing it's, um, yeah, it seems like across the board, private midwives are pretty, pretty wonderful, caring, generous people. <laughs> yes, absolutely. She said that a lot of her clients were, you know, similar cases or not similar cases, but had, you know, some sort of factor that made them, quote, high risk um, when that perhaps potentially wasn't so. And she said she feels like it's, you know, her duty to take on these people. They're, you know boxed into a corner and they don't feel like they have any other options. And um, once you'd employed her, did she do appointments at your house or did she have her own um, kind of practising rooms or something like that? No, she came to our house and um, she was really lovely. And so um, that was when COVID was kind of becoming a bit more of a thing. Um, so we... I don't know, we kind of, we really kind of bypassed it all. I think we had one or two appointments towards the very end that were by phone instead of in person. 
Um, but apart from that, you know, we didn't have to worry about, um, you know, regulations in the hospital or any of those sorts of things. We just got to, you know, be in our own little bubble and, and do our thing. Yeah, it's been a bit strange with COVID, but it seems like private midwifery care is a lot less affected than um, people who are going through the hospital system. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And how was the rest of that pregnancy for you? Did you have any kind of symptoms or anything come up during the pregnancy that was different to the last time? No, I really didn't. I think I felt a lot better throughout the whole pregnancy. I didn't feel, oh, I was dizzy. Um, I had, I think, positional vertigo. Um, and my iron was consistently low, but uh, we weren't sure if they were residual um, chemo things. And I had um, some, so my, my tumour was in my lungs or behind my lungs, and I have reduced lung capacity. So as the, obviously, as the baby got bigger and my lung space became even smaller, I had quite a lot of breathlessness. Mm. Um but apart from that, there was no issues. Yeah. And, how, yeah, when did you go into labour this time and how did things kick off? Um, so I went overdue again, um, but not as far this time. I think I went into labour at 41 and 1. Um, and I'd had my mother is a TCM practitioner, so I'd been having regular um, appointments with her. And, um, yeah, the day before she'd come and done some um, a bit more vigorous acupuncture to try and get things started. And um, I always – I knew that it was going to be another nighttime labour. So um, I think it was about 11 o'clock I had my very first contraction and um, my husband was still at work at that point in time. So I kind of just, oh, yeah, that's that's all right. And um, – he got home at midnight, he gets home at, and I didn't tell him that I was having, there were probably about one every 20 minutes, so I didn't tell him that I was having contractions until about one o'clock. He was still, hadn't come to bed, and I got up and I said, you need to come and have some sleep because it's, you know, it's starting. And um, at, I kind of, yeah, they were about 20 minutes apart until about 4 a.m. in the morning. Um I, I couldn't sleep through them anymore after that. So I got up and filled up a hot water bottle and I called my mum and said, you know, I think you need to come round. And I woke up my husband and um, he was so funny. He said, but your waters haven't broken because last time they broke first. And I said, oh, no, it's, you know, it's different every time. It doesn't happen that way always. <laughs> How did this early labour compare to the time before? Like I think um... – you know, last time you were saying that it was, it felt really easy and manageable and even when the contractions were close together, did, um, yeah, how, how did it compare this time? Um, they were still, they were, oh, they, they were still very good. The first, the first very real contraction, I had a, a sudden moment of panic and I, I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. Like, what a ridiculous idea. Someone take me to a hospital and give me some, like, painkillers, please. But I got over that very quickly. <laughs> I didn't mean it. And and what sort of things did you do um, during your early labour to kind of help manage the contractions? 
Um, I had slept through quite a lot of it, really. And then when I got up, I got the um, the hot water bottle, and um, we had to. We hadn't like we hadn't set up anything because we have a very small house, and the birth pool was going to go in the lounge room. And I, so I woke Matt up, my husband up, and um, he he set up the pool. And um, by the time it was full, my mum had arrived, and I was just starting to get to the stage where I really wanted to hop into the water. Um, but it felt, I don't know, I was still feeling really like I wasn't in that that different space yet and I felt really awkward like taking off my clothes in front of everyone and climbing into the water um, but as soon as I got in it felt good I felt so much better but I was I was still you know I would talk between them and I was smiley and I wasn't like I wasn't in that phase yet I think mm-hmm. I was um I called my midwife about the same time I called my mom and I always feel so apologetic. Like I'm really sorry for waking you up or calling you so early, but I think things are starting and, you know, maybe you should come around. And um, yeah, I waited until, until my midwife got there and um, I had one contraction as she was walking in the door and then I kind of said, Oh, hi, you know, how are you? Like, how exciting is this? And then that was it. I was focused after that and I like went into that space and, um, yeah, just really kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it, like a, like a meditative, meditative sort of state, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that, that's good, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, once your midwife and everybody had arrived and you kind of entered that next phase of labour, how did things progress from there? Um, yeah, they progressed very much the same I um I vocalize a lot through contractions um just kind of naturally and I remember that I remember the the two pieces of advice that I got in my first pregnancy were that to relax your mouth and it relax your you know body or everything and the other one is that this contraction will pass and it only hurts when you're having a contraction and then it stops so you know I held on to those two pieces of knowledge kind of thing every time I would feel a contraction building up I would consciously relax all of my body and you know think it will finish and you know you can have a deep breath and it will finish Mm, yeah and um, did you feel a similar kind of urge to push begin like you did the last time, or how did you kind of? No, I didn't feel that. Um, I didn't feel that at all. This time I had um, fetal ejection reflex, which I didn't experience last time. Um, we used a lot of counter pressure on my hips this time round, which last time I didn't really want anyone touching me, but this time it felt that like it really felt good, um, and. Yeah, we just, so I didn't know. Um, I, again, I asked that I didn't want to have any checks, but I did hear my midwife when she came in. She saw the the line on my bottom and she said, oh, it's about seven centimetres. And I kind of was a bit like, oh, I, I know that doesn't really mean it could, could be, you know, in two minutes or it could be in another three hours. But I was a little bit discouraged by that. And, um Oh, yes, that's right. I didn't know, but the the baby was posterior and um, my midwife 
she she said afterwards that from looking at me she believed that the baby was posterior and um so it was it was like harder work I didn't I didn't have any back pain or you know extreme pain or anything like that but I remember feeling um like fingers tickling me like at the front and I thought gee that's really weird like I didn't feel that last time that was really weird and um yeah so it was just a bit like I had fetal ejection reflex but it would you know that whole the, the surge would come and it would like push the baby down and then that that was really fine but afterwards it would all kind of like the baby back up again and it hurt so bad which I assume is because it was in a the wrong facing the wrong way that was quite painful and I got a bit at that point I got a bit like oh you know like it really hurt I was I can handle you know contraction pain and productive pain and all those but that was it was a sharper pain and it just didn't feel good um so my midwife you know she would until that point I felt feel like people had really just been kind of you know, watching and letting everything take its course. But at that point she came and sat next to me and she said, you know, it's okay, you're doing really well and it's almost over and, you know, just keep doing. You can you can do it. go, like, you can do this, you can keep going. So um, and then someone said that it had been um, – because my, my son was there as well. He had woken up when we were feeling the birth call and that was really, really exciting for both of us we'd kind of said oh you can go back to sleep if you want to and he said no no I want to stay I want to stay which was another reason that I had wanted to do a home birth rather than going to the hospital I was really determined to have him there with us and um so yeah he'd had some you know some jobs to do throughout he had a face washer that he could you know wet my face down with and at that point in time someone said you know oh come like you know mommy's pushing your the baby is going to be here soon do you want to come and see and he I was like kneeling in the in the bath and he went around to have a look and I would have some contractions and then he would say I can't see anything yet nothing's happening and it was like oh that's just please stop saying that I really don't want to hear that (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so, yeah, we just, um, I ended up, um, I burst the head and, um, and my midwife said, oh, do you want to, you know, do you want to catch, like, roll over and catch a baby? So, um, I did, I, yeah, turned over and I, I caught him and brought him up onto my chest and it was just, it was fantastic. It was, it was everything that I didn't get to do with my first birth, and it was really like it just it felt really good. Mm, so amazing. And did you get? Did you were you able to stay in the water um, for a little bit of that golden hour, um, and, and just enjoy it, or, or how did things kind of play out in that first few minutes? So I did. I did stay in the water. By that stage, um, the water was quite cold um which I hadn't noticed until until the baby was actually born and then obviously I could concentrate on something else and I thought gee it's really cold um so and then also when my midwife had arrived I heard her phone 
acting. And um, I didn't know until after I had birthed the baby that that was another one of her clients messaging her to say things are getting started, like, you know, just letting you know. So at that point in time, um, you know, we had a couple of a couple of minutes and um, it was probably like five or ten minutes sort of thing to really, you know, everyone looked at him and um, we hadn't found out the sex of the baby. That was my son's job. So we, you know, found out that was another boy and we all kind of, you know, all kiss the baby and smell the baby and, and do those wonderful things. And then she said um, that she said she didn't um like she didn't you know pull or tug or anything like that but she said that she wanted to um birth the placenta because she needed to get to this other client of hers who was you know getting to the business end of things also um so we um i had after that i did start having those you know second contraction sort of feelings and the placenta was born pretty quickly and um I hopped out of the bath um and we all moved into the bed and um my husband got to do some skin to skin as well and yeah we all kind of snuggled in the bed for um quite a while actually and and uh, that's a bit of a shame that your midwife kind of had to rush off to another (laughs) one she did like um yeah, like you were supported in those first few hours. And, I mean, I guess you'd already had a newborn before, so some of it was... Um, yes. Okay. So I had um, my second midwife. She stayed with me. Um, so I wasn't left alone. And um, that was really good. We, um, you know, my so my first midwife, she um, just checked, you know, checked everything to make sure it was all okay. Um, I had a, a little tear, which I opted not to have stitched. Um, and she made sure that she stayed until the baby had fed and that I had, um, you know, just to make sure that I was feeling good and, and comfortable and everything like that. Um, and then she said, okay, I really have to have to get, get on. Um, but, yeah, my second midwife stayed and she was there. You know, she was fantastic. She helped me. Um, you know, she weighed and measured the baby when we were ready for that. And she helped me to get up and, um, you know, help me in the shower. I don't, I don't like recover well after having babies. I came over all shaky again. And, um, so she really supported me and helped me through all of that. And she stayed for, yeah, like a good couple of hours. Mm, Yeah. Ah, amazing. And, um, how was your kind of, those first few weeks and months of learning to juggle two babies and breastfeeding a new baby? Um, It definitely had its highs and lows. Um, We, um, this baby had four ties. So we um, had a lot of pain breastfeeding again. Um, And it was a lot, I didn't, didn't get them revised until he was about 12 weeks old, I think. So it was, you know, it was difficult then. And um, it was when my husband was not at work, it was really good because, like, for example, bedtime he could, I could focus on the baby and he would look after our four-year-old, but he works nights. And when he went back to work, me being alone and having a newborn and a four-year-old was really tough and there were lots of tears from everyone while we tried to work it out 
Mm. And has that kind of greater adjustment since then? I mean, I think your youngest is six months old now and how, how do they yeah. get on now? Um, they love each other. They really, really do. Um, some days are still really hard and some days we just fly through and it's fantastic. But um, my eldest, he's so, he's absolutely besotted with his little brother and he says all the time, thank you for giving me a little baby brother and has mm-hmm. asked quite a few times if we can have another baby yet. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was such a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for listening to this episode with Bethany. You can find some photos on my website, www.keepbirthwild.com.au or on Instagram at keepbirthwild.podcast. And I look forward to bringing you another episode next week.